Hello and welcome to the Controller Talk podcast presented by Danfoss North America. Our goal is to provide you information about using Danfoss controls in the supermarket and warehouse industry, specifically in the U.S. and Canada. We're doing these twice a month for now. You can catch these podcasts wherever you get your podcast, and it's also available through the Danfoss Rough Tools app. For the video version, check us out on the Danfoss North America YouTube page. Search for Controller Talk to see our video collection. I'm Dave Yoder, along with Chris Brown. Well, Chris, football season is among us and upon us. You're still talking baseball. Read the room. Oh, please. You were begging for a new offensive coordinator for the Ravens last year. You got one, and now you're undefeated. I'm ready for the Orioles season to play out first before we worry about that. Okay, so we're going to repeat last year and hope that the Orioles and the Phillies get together. And There you go. Yeah, and the Orioles will get beat up. assuming your boys won on Saturday. Uh, Penn State guys? Yes, Penn State football, they did win. Playing Delaware Valley or Pee Wee All-Stars or something like that. Got your warm-up game in. That's right. Yeah, they're 2-0. So is Maryland. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they are. Okay, cool. So, baseball good, football good. Life is good. All right. (laughs) (laughs) If you're in this town, it is right now. All right, so... um, yeah, last time um, we talked about pack controllers, and um, we said that over in Europe they call it the racks packs, and that's how they got their name. And we talked about the basics, and now we're moving on to the next course, and something I like to call pack controllers 201. So if you can handle the first one, you can probably handle this one. So in most cases, um, these pack controllers are something you're going to see on new CO2 racks. Right. It's like you're not going to get handed one and you got to figure it out from scratch. Um, you're going to see them in new racks coming from the OEMs. And typically the OEMs are already going to have those programmed or they're going to have us do the programming and then they'll load the files. Yep. Then pretty much if it's a CO2 rack, you can all but guarantee you're going to see one of these on there. So yeah, that's a safe assumption. There, uh, I mean, if you, any familiarity with Dan Falls and our modules, it's uh, not completely reinventing the wheel. I think you've got a good starting point if you've dealt with the Dan Falls controls and systems in the past. Uh, the pack controller, it, it, we talked about a little bit on the last episode, but it, it looks very similar to one of our regular extension or I.O. modules for, for most of the models that we have. We'll get into that some. Uh, but it, it's, yeah, terminal blocks right there on the pack controller itself. So you've got some inputs that will be on there and terminals for that. So your sensors, your pressure transducers, digital inputs are all getting wired right into the pack controller. And then your relays to control compressors, gas cooler fans, whatever we're handling from a control side, uh, variable outputs. That That's all items that will have terminals right on the pack controller as well. I think for, for this show, we'll probably focus more on our what we call our AK2 platform of pack controllers, so uh, specific models that, that gets into the 781A, 782A, 783A, and you will notice these all have the A at the end, which is the... Um, is that the Canadian version? Yeah, not quite the Australian version. No, oh. <laughs> no yeah. it's just the updated model we have for, for those three model types that has that uh, that USB port on there to connect into it that we had talked about. So a little bit of a beefed up hardware on the, those three models. Yep. Um, specifically with the inputs and outputs, most of the time you, what you're looking at, the inputs are going to be along the top of it, uh, of the main pack controller itself, and then maybe even some of the extensions that you get into. But typically it's, uh, yeah, when somebody says, where's my sensor wire to, you, you, you know you're going to be looking somewhere along the top. 
And so that, that's where most of your inputs are, which obviously means that most of the outputs that you're going to be controlling, they're going to fall along the bottom of the pack controller. And just orientation, keep that in mind. Maybe I, I know some of the, the racks that I've been in, they mount them sideways, which is perfectly fine to do. But that obviously means you got a left and a right orientation on the terminals as opposed to top and bottom. Yep. And your experience, does the OEM provide a list of points inside the rack? I've seen printouts now, whether they stay there a year after startup, right. uh, maybe is a different story, but mm-hmm. yeah, to start at least when that rack ships out, I've seen a, a plastic sleeve or something like that, maybe on okay. the back of the electrical door that'll have legends and maybe an IO list for the points on the pack controller and that sort of thing to give the, the guys on site yeah. that info. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, when it comes to assigning the points in the service tool software, so if we kind of switch gears a little bit to the programming side, uh, we're, we're putting each point in individually through service tool and the pack controller itself. And again, these are expandable. We'll get into that a little bit, but the main pack controller board, and it is a little deceiving because there's a little section right to the right of it that almost makes it look like it's a different board, but it's part of the main, main base board. Um, but the, the, the pack controller out of the box, you're getting 11 inputs configurable for what, what each one of those inputs is going to read. And then you get uh, 8 to 10 outputs across the bottom, depending on a, an optional board you may or may not attach to it. Uh, so as far as programming the individual points, you always want to consider that the, the pack controller itself is board one. So we get into addressing a board and a point for each one of our inputs or outputs. The pack controller, any point on that that pack controller main board is going to be considered board one. So your first input up at the top left would be board one, input one, or or one one in the program through service tool. Your last input would be something like board one point eleven or one eleven in the setup. Uh, we get the output sides where maybe uh, again somebody that has some um, a little bit of experience with Dan Foss. This is like the curveball in it all. So when you talk about the outputs, you just have to, to be aware of a, a little different setup there. For a lot of our boards, the system managers, you start at output number one on the first relay or first analog output on those boards. Uh, with the pack controllers and any boards attached to them later on, we carry over from inputs to outputs. So on the pack controller specifically, we said we have 11 inputs. So our first relay output at the bottom, when we're going to assign that in the program through service tool, it wouldn't be output number one. It would be board 1.12 or 1-12. So uh, yeah, it's a little different structure from from what you're probably accustomed to, but definitely something you want to be aware of and make sure you're adhering to it when you're programming those points in. So we've got the, the typically about eight relays again, like we said, that usually will take you through the last relay assignment, which would be point 19 on the pack controller board. Um, you can have an, an analog output module and, and there's different options here, but one of the options for analog output points, there's a AKOB 110. You can actually take the cover off of the pack controller and you can uh, attach this OB 110 extension board or extension module right onto the the circuit board of the pack controller and then put the cover back on over top of it and that offers you two analog outputs that would look like when, when it's all said and done it looks like they're just getting wired right into the pack controller like anything else and i i'm sure there's a good reason why we skipped a few points there but when you go to assign these again just take into account that the points on the the two analog outputs using this module 
they would be outputs 24 and 25 in the programming. Right. Yep. And I guess one advantage of having these numbered this way, where you would go 1 through 11 across the top for inputs and 12 through 19 for outputs, is that it makes it a little bit less likely to have a, a wrong assignment. Um, I don't know if the software will allow you to program an output like 1-5, but... It'll yeah. initially... What, what, what I've seen there is it'll initially accept it. Okay. But if you leave that page and come back to it again, it's all zeros. Yeah, so you, you don't necessarily get that immediate warning that okay. it didn't accept it. But yeah. if you go back and look at it later on, it'll have wiped it out. Long term, it's going to be gone. Yep. Okay. Yep. And the AKOB is for the Star Wars fans out there. <laughs> yes. It's got There's got to be Italian somewhere. <laughs> all right. So, uh, yeah, when it comes to uh, plugging in extension modules... Uh, obviously, this, like you said, it's on the AK2 platform, so it's uh, expandable. Yep. You can plug extension modules in there, and um, we'll use a, a same, basically the same numbering system. Um, so let's say you plugged a combo module into the pack controller. It's number two, or it's in the number two position. Right. So um, we know that that type of board has eight inputs and eight outputs, so the inputs would be 2-1 or 2-1 through 2-8, and the outputs would be 2-9 through 2-16. So, yeah, it, it takes a little bit of a different thought, uh, but once you see it, then it's, uh, it comes pretty quickly. Yep. And um, so let's say you can, kept going and you plugged an XM101A into the number 3 position. So you have pack controller, then a combo, and then an XM101A. We know that it's got um, four inputs at the top and four at the bottom. So as far as programming goes, the points would be uh, 3-1 through 3-4 across the top and 3-5 through 3-8 across the bottom. And it is just two numbers. Maybe we can point that out. that It's mm -hmm. not like the COM module set up back to the system manager where you have the node, the board, and the point. Here it's just the board and the point. So it is just two numbers you should be dealing with. Right. That is true. The, the pack controllers, these models have a rotary dial on the front of them, but that doesn't play into the point addressing in any way that's just how that would tie back into the system manager yep uh on the display side so the, these again these ak2 platform models 781 82 83as they don't have any built-in displays um so when and if somebody wants some sort of visual display of a pressure temperature that sort of thing right there and this would if we're going to do this on the packs it would be because maybe somebody cut out a uh, hole in the the front of the electrical panel on the rack to display some some values there um but you do have the option to connect some different types of displays into the pack controllers to get some values and it's really more so just for that just for the displays it's pretty limited what you can do as far as programming with these so this would be more of for just a traditional display um purpose but. yep to give you something like suction temp yeah. Where basically it takes the CO2 pressure, converts it to temp, and says, here's what it is. Yeah, I think you can do, uh, I want to say valve opening degrees is, is one of the options you could choose. So it's just if somebody decides that that has value to them and they don't want to have to go through the system manager or through service tool every time to see what's going on with certain things, then they, I've seen a, a few customers that, that wanted to have that in there. And so, yeah, that can give that somebody walking by or, or going up to, to maybe troubleshoot further. That'll at least give them a quick indicator. Um, but, yeah, the specific models. Uh, so we've got the older EKA displays. They're, they're typically going to be red. 
we've used these with dozens and dozens of products over the years. Um, but there's a, a couple ports up in the top left area where you could connect this type of display. It can be up to four of them. Um, you'll need a cable with crimped ends for this one. Uh, and, and the distance from the pack controller to the displays, you can get up to 45 feet. Again, that's probably way more than anybody that would be looking to use these would ever need because they're going to mount it within a few feet of where the pack controller is. But you can get up to 45 feet if needed. And then we have a second display type. This would be a, the newer of the two uh, families, but there's something called an MMI GRS2, and this is used for some other product types of ours too. This one gives you a little more information. It's a little bit larger of a, a display. Um, it actually pulls in some data from the pack controller and, and can display that right on the, the front of this MMI GRS. So that's an option too that, that somebody could look into if they wanted to display. Uh, it uses the RJ11 port. Um, which is right above the the uh, USB port on the pack controller. And this one is a little shorter. You can only get up to 10 feet here. So again, I think even 10 feet, you're probably fine just from pack controller to the front of the cabinet. Um, but yeah, there is that distance limitation on this model. All right. And as far as power supplies go, then um, you can run 24 volts AC or DC over to the pack controller. And if you have multiple extension modules plugged in, uh, you want to start adding up the VA ratings. And um, you want to stop when you get to 32 VA, which is quite a bit. Yeah. And that's a, that's a long set of boards. Yeah. But if you use the CM102, that allows you to break up the modules and kind of use a couple pieces of DIN rail. Then the modules on each section of DIN rail can't go over 20 VA. That's the way it's spec'd out. And stepper modules is probably the one drawing the most there it's usually only one or two valves on the rack so right <laughs> i think all that's nothing we worry about exceeding too much yeah uh yeah and some more limited pressure transducer side you get into maybe some more limitations here um we can't do more than five pressure transducers on each pack controller or extension module so each individual board not to say that the overall total can't be more than five it, it can but just when you look at it board by board, you don't want to go over five pressure transducers. Um, there's a milliamp threshold on there. One or two, one or 200 milliamps is what's in my head. I'm not 100% sure, but... Uh, we'll ask you in one of these yeah. <laughs> podcasts if you uh, know the right number. When do we get to stump Maria? <laughs> <laughs> she can't be stumped. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just try not to go over five because you, you can start to get to where that limit is milliamp limit on, on what the transducers are drawing and then uh, another limit that i can't say i've ever even seen us get close to but just to be made aware of that you can max out the total number of io points on the the total package or total solution if you take what's on the pack controller and then any other extension module attached to it um you can't go over 220 points yeah again that's probably two or three times easily anything i've ever come across but Yep. That limit is there, too, that we have to keep in mind. Yep, that's for the 782 and uh, I believe the 781. We'll dig into more details on that in the future. But, uh, but yeah, some of the big boys, like the 782, that's your limit. Yeah. Yep. And maybe that could be something that becomes more relevant as we move along, evolve ejectors, get into the pack controllers that we don't mm -hmm. see a lot of today. So I, that yep. could be a lot more relevant than I'm, I'm saying right now um, in two or three yep. years' time. Right. And then if you, you decide to get a little crazy and start jumping transducers, 
uh, across multiple pack controllers. Uh, maybe you had a, a 781A and you've got one for the low temp side of the system, one for the medium temp, and you want to share the medium temp suction transducers, an example that we might jump over to the low temp pack to, to read as the low temp discharge because they're the same pressure typically. Um, that could be a situation where you're, you're jumping transducers across two pack controllers we just need to keep in mind there that we want both, or if it's multiple, any of those controllers where we're sharing that that reading um, to have a common power source. Uh, so and basically the reason for that is we either want them all to have power or none of them. If we run into a, a situation where we are sharing a transducer across three pack controllers and one of them lost power, but the other two were still running okay, then what's going to happen is the, the pressure reading is going to read artificially low on the two that are still powered up with that transducer wired to them. So yeah, try to keep them on a, a common power source if we're sharing the transducer. Right. That's kind of a rare situation, but it's just a word to the wise. And it's something you could carry over to case control. I, I think some of the, the 750s and some of those AK2 model case controllers, uh, you'd have the same thing there that you're looking at. So maybe that one's a little broader range that you could take into consideration. Yep. All right. So uh, a couple more things we want to cover. Um, if you happen to be using an injector block, um, not a lot of those are being used yet, but I think we're going to see that come into play down the road. But if you are using the ejector block, you have solenoids that have to get wired in. And um, in general, you want to wire the smallest loads or the, the smallest sections of that ejector block into your solid state outputs, right. which would be um, output points 12 through 15 on the pack controller. And then um, if you happen to be using the XM208C, which is a... Uh, it's a stepper module for four stepper valves that also has eight inputs on the input side. Then if you're using that one, um, you can use it with a pack controller, but um, right now you can't use it with I.O. boards and COM modules and wire it into the SM800A, but that's going to change. And uh, right now we expect that around September of 2023, sorry, December of 2023, you'll be able to use that module with the uh, COM module and the 800A, and there'll be new software coming out at the end of the year for that. Yeah. And just real quick, just back to the ejector blocks and the solid states, those are, when you put your eyes on these pack controllers, they'll they'll stand, stand out. I mean, we're saying they're the first four relays, but mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious when you look at them that those plugs have two terminals on them. And only two, and, yeah. And only two, and they're yeah. separated one by one individually, and then the, the other four relays, your standard relays, those are part of a, a full terminal strip. So yeah. if you're worried about which ones are the solid state outputs versus a regular relay, that's pretty obvious to you once you, you right. know, look at these. Yep. And I think down the road here, um, you know, we're calling these the course 101, 201, but we'll get into the 301 course before too long. And I think that's where we'll dig into some of the common questions people have, like the way we uh, label our sensors and things like that um, can be a little confusing until you see them in a list and then it's not so bad. Yeah, definitely. And that'll be something we'll cover uh, on the next time when we take our, our students up to the 301 course. You can charge more for those, you know. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, so it's time to ask Chris a good question. And uh, this is probably another unfair question of uh, very minute details that 
We Almost no one needs. Rename this to Humiliate Chris instead of Stump Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're one and the same, aren't they? <laughs> so what is, uh, yeah, specifically on that 208C stepper module? Uh, yeah. Um, so we're driving stepper valves. Yeah. You know, in this case, it's probably going to be a high-pressure valve or a receiver bypass valve or something like that. Yeah. What's the current limit on the outputs of that guy? On the outputs, the current limit. Yeah. This is only a 15-minute podcast, just so you know. Well, where 15 to 30, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to say 500 milliamps. Well, you're in the ballpark. Let's just say that. At least you didn't go crazy and say 4 amps, but uh, now it's 325 milliamps. All right. Yeah. I'll take that as a win for myself. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah, I have never seen a stepper valve need anywhere near that. Probably the highest I've seen is what uh, two fifteen. Our on the old ETSs, CCMs. Yeah, when you get into the CCMTs, they start getting up around three hundred milliamps. I think. Okay, so, so it is uh, kind of relevant to yeah. uh, pay attention to that. Yep, and okay. I maybe that that's good to tie in because we we just talked about the stepper module, the two hundred eight C. Um, mm -hmm. there is a 208B, which is what we've used for years yeah. for our regular HSC job that had, mm -hmm. um, suction EEPRs on them. That 208B has a lower, uh, amp rating on it. And mm. so it can't handle the CCMT. You, yeah. Yeah. You got a CCMT on the pack controllers. You got to make sure you're using a 208C and not a 208B. Otherwise you'll be sadly... Mistaken. Might be a little smoke going on or something. Along yeah, lines. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good to know. All right, so uh, we are early in the season, so there is no listener mail. So we're going to jump right ahead and uh, let everybody know if they have an email um, that they want to send over to us, uh, given a suggestion for topics or a question or a comment or anything like that. If they feel sorry for Chris, just email us <laughs> at ControllerTalkNorthAmerica at DanFoss.com. That's Controller Talk North America at danfoss.com. Thanks for listening. Our studio and video engineer used to be Michael, don't call me Mike Beckerman, but I think he's moved on to other things. They don't love us anymore. Yeah, he's still here, but uh, he's left everything to Maria. And she's doing it all, although our old Garcia is still our audio engineer. Yeah, Maria's doing it all. Not even Josh Tignal showed up this time. We don't need him. Until next time, for Chris Brown, I'm Dave Yoder. Stay cool.